Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and welcome to my podcast. Each week, I focus on topics related to mental health and discuss ways to help you deal with issues like anxiety, depression, shame, guilt, PTSD, and more. I've spent the last 30 years researching the mind-brain connection and mental health. I worked with patients who suffered from traumatic brain injuries, struggled with anxiety, battled with learning issues, and often worked with families to resolve major relationship and communication problems. In this podcast, you will hear the advice I gave to my patients and the techniques I developed and used to help them find healing. My goal is to give you simple, effective and practical tips and tools to help you take back control over your mental, emotional and physical health. Before I begin today's discussion, I want to just take a moment to thank everyone who has supported this podcast, either by leaving a review, spreading the word, sharing episodes with friends and family, and posting about this podcast on social media. I love reading your reviews and learning how I can make this podcast even more helpful. Like this review from Lucky the Most. Dr. Lee's messages and work give me techniques and understanding to manage the hardest parts of life that happen continually throughout a lifetime. She is helping me grow into a joyful, emotional maturity. Thank you, Lucky, the most. And now back to today's podcast. Today, I'm going to continue discussing five more simple and practical mental self-care techniques to keep your brain healthy and reduce anxiety. This is part two, and last week I did part one. Tip number six, practice the window exercise. Okay, what is this? I want you to imagine that there's a big building and as you look at that building, there's all these windows. You can see all these windows. You're right up close to this building, but you're not inside the windows. You're on the outside of the windows. And I want you to imagine that in those windows are all the issues and stuff of your life. So what you're doing is you're being objective. You're going to objectively, as you identify something that's worrying you, as you are aware that there's something that's making you feel like on edge, etc., I want you to imagine that that issue is inside the window and you're outside the window. So you've separated yourself from that. So the swirling mass of emotional, challenging toxicity, etc., etc., and all the details are inside, sealed up, and can't get out. You mustn't climb in the window, you must stay out the window. So this is a mental exercise. This is a thought experiment that you're doing. And you're using your thinking, feeling, choosing. You're using your mind to do this. And as you're doing this, you're actually rewiring your brain in a very positive way. And you are also activating a lot of resilience within you, which allows your a balance to occur between your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous system, which is really good because it gives you a kind of clarity in your thinking 
and it, and it helps you to be more objective in dealing with whatever it is that you have to deal with in that particular moment. So let's say, for example, that you are um, having a panic attack and you've got this presentation that you have to do and you just haven't either haven't pulled it together in time or you're just not happy with what you've done or you don't like public speaking or something like that. But this thing is really making you panicky. So now literally in your mind's eye, take that issue, put it in that window, seal that window, stand outside and then look at that and don't let it get to you. You are outside the window and then you can start analyzing and making a plan around how you're going to manage that. What's a really good idea to do in addition to the window is when you talk about it, when you're looking at it, that you talk about it in like the third person. So it's almost as though you're giving someone else advice. It's not you that has the problem or you that's dealing with the issue, but you're telling someone else how to deal with the issue. So instead of saying I, you're saying you. Instead of saying this makes me, you're saying this makes you. Instead of saying I've got to or I should, you're saying you have got to or you should. This is the way. So in other words, you objectify and you speak in the third person. This helps calm down those toxic emotions and calm down the toxic stress reaction, puts you into positive stress. So simply describe what's in the window as though you're observing, that you're an impassioned observer of the situation. Think of it like if you're going through something yourself, think of how traumatic it is. But when you hear of someone else going through something, you feel sorry for them, but it doesn't hit you as much because it's not your experience. And that's what I'm helping you to do here is almost remove it from yourself, separate it from yourself. This is not easy, but once you get the hang of this, it's an incredibly powerful technique to help calm you down sufficiently to be able to start getting some direction. It may not all happen in an instant, but you'll certainly have a level of clarification and control that will come in. And then as you progress through time, days, weeks, whatever it may be, so the thing will get better and better. It's a great tool to help in the midst of a panic attack. So what you're really doing is you're making the problem smaller and you're confining it. When we're in the midst of a panic attack or in the midst of a problem or in the midst of an anxiety moment or in the midst of a feeling really depressed and flat, by objectifying the problem in this way, you make it smaller. You're not removing all the implications and not honoring the problem. You're making it smaller and you're confining it. So something that's been confined to a window is something that's much more manageable than this huge, obtuse, invasive thing that just seems to be consuming you. It doesn't consume you anymore because it's now confined to the window. You've also removed the emotions that are toxic, that are blocking the chemicals flowing in your brain to help you have clarity. So now it becomes more manageable as you try and define the parameters of the issue and how you can move forward. Tip number seven, practice seeing multiple possibilities, not just one or two options. The key, two key things here, I'm saying practice. So the implication there is that you're not going to get this right straight away, but you keep going until you do because you're going to get better and better at this. And then the other thing is multiple possibilities. Don't confine yourself to just one or two options when you're facing the day, the issue, the problem, the family, the relationship, the financial, whatever it may be. The best example of this is one of my favorite examples, not necessarily the best, is Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison 
attempted over a thousand trials before he succeeded in inventing the light bulb. And when a reporter was asking him about how he felt about all his failures, he turned that completely around and he said, he doesn't see those as failures. He sees those as a thousand things that don't work. Now, this is a very powerful thing that Thomas Edison did and said. He didn't see anything as a failure. When we see things as a failure, when we see that there's, okay, one option or two options, maybe three, I didn't achieve them, I'm a failure, you will be blocked. You will be literally locked in. And then frustration and guilt and condemnation and all those ugly things will start rising up and blocking you from moving forward and cause mental health issues. So when you do something and it doesn't work, this is not positive affirmations I'm talking about. This is way more. When something doesn't work, see that as something that you've learned that doesn't work, that it's knowledge, it's learning, you've gained information, you're more intelligent, you're wiser. And then you'll see that it's much easier to then flow through into having multiple possibilities. Go into every day, every task, every relationship, everything you do with the mindset of there's never one or two options. There's an infinite number of possibilities that can arise and that I can apply in terms of doing this or solving this problem. So in other words, you're not just seeing option A or B, which is a very myopic view. You are seeing a multiplicity of other opportunities. If you just have a myopic view, you're going to miss out on all the great opportunities and all the potential ideas that will grow out of that what you originally saw as a failure. When you only see option A or option B, this myopic view, your thinking is very inflexible. Our brain is not designed for inflexible thinking. Our brain is designed to respond to flexible thinking. In fact, when you are inflexible, the middle of your brain, an area in the middle of your brain, basically doesn't, isn't allowed to work properly. And it starts kind of blocking up. So the part of your brain that responds to flexible thinking, when that thing gets stuck, it affects everything else. It has kind of a boomerang effect. So your brain will always be, be affected by how you use your mind. As soon as you're flexible, that loosens up. That part of your brain works better. It facilitates your flexible thinking and different ideas and seeing multiple possibilities. If you just can only think of two options, start asking yourself, okay, what could a third option be? What could a fourth option be? What could a fifth option be? Just start throwing it out there. Don't be scared to experiment and explore. Over time, your, as you exercise this and practice this, you're literally exercising that little part of your brain and it becomes easier and easier and easier. And this will boost your creativity and boost your imagination. Before we continue, I want to take a quick break and tell you about and invite you to my 2019 Mental Health Summit in Dallas, Texas, December 6 and 7. In this conference, you'll learn scientifically researched mental self-care techniques to help you overcome mental ill health, help others, and help your community. You will not only gain more knowledge about the current problems in mental health care, but also about real, long-term, sustainable solutions, and how to apply these solutions in your own life and in your community. In this summit, you will learn how to overcome mental health issues like anxiety and depression, learn how to help children and teens, learn correct nutrition and exercise to boost your mental health, learn how to identify and define your unique identity based on neuroscientific research, learn how to improve memory, 
learn how to help family members and loved ones who struggle with mental ill health. Learn how to avoid burnout and manage stress. Learn how to deal with disappointment. Learn how to overcome intrusive and chaotic thinking. And so much more. For more information and to register, go to drleafconference.com. One last thing before we get back to this week's podcast. I want to give a big thank you to everyone who has donated so far to my research project fundraiser. So far, we have raised over 41,000 out of our 120,000 goal. 100% of these funds are going directly to this project. And so far, we have used what we have raised to pay lab technicians, research design, pre-test statistical analysis, and more. The results from this research project and clinical trials will help us make mental health care more accessible, affordable, and applicable for people all around the world. Please keep sharing the word about this project with friends and family. For more information on this project and to donate, visit drleafresearch.com. Tip 8. Spend at least an hour a day reading and learning. The structure of your brain is such that it, it responds and it functions better as you learn more. The whole nature of the brain is based on adding more networks, neuroplasticity. You do that by thinking, feeling, choosing, being flexible, doing all the things that I've been saying. But in addition, when you learn new information, when you read information to understand it, when you read an article or a book and you really tend to think through and ask, answer and discuss and understand it and make sense of it, you are growing networks in your brain and that's really healthy for your brain. And this is extremely healthy for your mental health. This is an area that's not addressed sufficiently when it comes to mental health. And it's an area that I have done an extremely, a, a lot of work in it. When the more you think, the more you learn, the more you build memory, the healthier your mindset becomes, the healthier your mental health becomes. Every day when you wake up, you're born with a whole lot of new little baby neurons and they are designed to be incorporated into the scaffold of your brain as you are building all these new networks. When you think during the course of the day, when you think, feel and choose during the course of the day in response to the events of life and whatever you're reading, you are building all of this into networks. So you're building stuff in your brain all day long anyway. But by adding an hour-long component where you read to understand and learn new information, you refine that process. You extend your brain to another level. You make it healthier. You, make your, you increase your wisdom. You need to become an infinite learner. One of the things I would always tell the parents of, of children in my practice when I practiced was, and they'd say, what can I do immediately to help my child? And I would say, depending on their age, read to them and get them to read. In fact, do both. I read to my kids for years and they always were reading. My kids were babies and I would take them to the library. Reading, reading, thinking about what you're reading is a vital component of mental health. So you could just allocate a time in your day where you do this. I've made it a part of my routine. At least, I mean, I spend probably up to two to three, if not more hours a day reading and thinking and learning. I don't just scan through stuff. I choose what I'm interested in and I read it deeply and I focus on it and I make notes on it 
You can see more about this, how to do this in my book, Think, Learn, Succeed. So by spending at least an hour a day reading and learning, you can increase your productivity, you become more open-minded, and these are great factors to boost your mental health and reduce anxiety. Tip nine, remove labels. Stop calling yourself something. Labels lock you in. Don't talk about, I'm an anxious person. I'm a depressed person. These labels are static. They lock you in. They fix you. They kind of make you feel like you, that this is who you are. But it's not who you are. It simply reflects how you are feeling at this moment in time because of whatever. Something's going on in your life and it's resulting in you feeling this way. So anxiety, depression are reflecting a state at the moment. They are not a static you-ness. That, that's not who you are. That's who you have become in that moment. So we want to remove labels from our life. So instead of saying, I am an anxious person, or my anxiety, or my depression, or my intrusive thoughts, or my this, rather say, be descriptive and say, at the moment, I'm feeling quite anxious because I'm going through this really tough time at work. Or at the moment, I'm really depressed because I am having such a tough time in one of my relationships. Or I'm feeling like really, really chaotic in my mind because it's just so busy at work and I just don't know how to rest or something. So you describe it. The other thing in removing labels is as soon as you have a label, it kind of gives you permission to not take responsibility and to just get stuck in a valley. We all go through valleys and peaks in our life. That's not something new to any of us. Life is filled with ups and downs. It's pretty much the human condition. In order to deal with these and not label ourselves and keep us stuck there, we need to embrace these valleys and peaks and what they mean. So in other words, instead of being frightened of the depression or the anxiety that you're feeling, embrace it because it's a signal that something is going on. They're not identities, they are signals. Depression and anxiety are not identities, they are signals. Embrace these feelings and then start asking yourself why. Reframe the words. As I already said, don't say you're an anxious person. Say you are going through something. Be specific. Remember, labels make things very permanent. Whereas if you're reframing, reconceptualizing them, which is one of the tips we spoke about in last week's podcast, then they become temporary and it gives you a level of control back. As humans, we hate being out of control, especially of our mind. So when you label, it does lock you in. It gives you a feeling of hopelessness. So by not labeling, you take away that permanency and create a temporary situation. And when you describe, it becomes more manageable and you feel like you've got control of those things. Last thing I want to say about this is don't be ashamed of going through peaks and valleys. Don't think you always have to present to the world and to your family and to work, etc. that you've always got it together. Just that in itself means you don't have it together. It's okay. It's nothing to be ashamed of. We all struggle. Tip number 10, do mental autopsies. I love saying that. And it's such an important thing to do. I have watched doctors do autopsies. And it's a fascinating process of trying to work out what is going on. Why did that person die? And that's what you're doing in your, when we do a mental autopsy. You're trying to work out what is going on post Fact. So something you've gone through, something, maybe it's an argument, maybe it's a mistake that you've made, maybe it's a trauma you're going through, maybe it's something at work, 
Life is filled with these experiences and a mental autopsy is looking back at these experiences, understanding them so that you can dismantle them and you can reconceptualize them, redesign them, and then you can learn from them. So as you go into the future, you have so much more wisdom. So it helps you prevent making those same mistakes again or not making them as badly because obviously everything's an evolution. It's a process. It's a progression. It also stops us getting stuck in that overthinking thing. The word overthinking is, off, is often used for, to, to express that feeling of you're just kind of going in circles. You don't seem to be progressing forward. But a mental autopsy helps you stop that and helps you move forward. So how do you do this? When the mistake has been done, when the argument is finished, when the trauma that you're dealing with is being processed, when you become aware of a toxic habit, you start asking yourself and answering yourself and discussing with yourself, why did I do this? What were the triggers? When did it happen? How did it happen? Who did it happen with? And as you are asking and answering, and as you are asking yourself and answering yourself, you keep asking and answering and discussing. You keep going in this circle. And as you do that, you will start getting an insight into the point where eventually you say, oh, that's what it is. This may take 5, 10, 20, 30 why questions or the related questions to why to get to that point. But it's not just a simple ask, answer. It's an ask, answer, and discuss. Get into this, get a handle on this, get, get into grips with this, dive deep. I'm about to release very soon an app called Switch. And in this Switch app, I really teach you the techniques that you've been learning about in these two podcasts and pretty much the techniques that I teach throughout my teachings in my books and, and podcasts and so on. The Switch app is an audio-driven app to help you to do all these things, to help you to learn how to self-regulate and reconceptualize and listen to your body and remove the labels and all these things. So it's a great five-step process. So watch the space for when it's released. It's on pre-order at the moment, and you can find that in the show notes where to pre-order it. If you are interested in learning more about how you can improve your mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com. And to sign up for my weekly newsletter, where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Be sure to leave me a review and tune in next week. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf.